Blessed be the name of the Lord. Continuing through the book of Acts, chapter 27. The Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelachim, the called out ones, those apostles that were sent out to build the kingdom of God in both Jews and Gentiles so that they become one in Messiah. And today we're going to begin in verse number one. The reason is today's the completion of this uh, message. This is our third part. And so in Acts 27, verse 1, Once it had been decided that we should set sail for Italy, they handed Shaul and the other prisoners over to an officer of the emperor's regiment named Julius. We embarked in the ship from Anrotidum, which is about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia. I encourage those of you who happen to have a Bible map to go ahead and follow along on this journey with Rav Shaul. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I would have prepared better, I would have brought more maps with me. So going on in verse number two, we embarked on the ship from Enratidum, which is about to sail to the ports along the coast of province of Asia and put out to sea accompanied by Artistarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. You may notice there was a couple books that were written to these Messianic con congregations in Thessalonica. Verse 3, the next day we landed in Zidon, and Julius considerately allowed Shaul to visit his friends and receive what he needed. Putting to sea from there, we sailed close to the sheltered side of Cyprus, because the winds were against us, then across to the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia. And so we reached there Myra and Lycia. And there the Roman officer found an Alexandrian vessel, sailing it to Italy and put us aboard. For a number of days we made little headway and we arrived off Sindias, only with difficulty. The wind would not let us continue any further along the direct route. So we ran down along the sheltered side of Crete and from the Cape of Salome. And continuing to struggle on, hugging the coast, we reached a place called Pleasant Harbor near the town of Lacey. Since much time had been lost and continuing the voyage was risky, because it was already past Yom Kippur. So Shaul advised them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be a catastrophe, not only with huge losses to the cargo and the ship, but loss of our lives as well. And this is where we begin part three. And so now as we dig here a little bit deeper, so Rav Shaul gives a prophetic word here. And so he's also giving his experience as a seagoer. See, he had seen many disasters before. Actually, he had been shipwrecked three times. And where do we find that? As scripture 
fulfills scripture. Let's turn now to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll begin here, the only one verse, 25. Three times I was beaten with rods and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And I spent a night and a day in the open sea. So there we have clarification of what God's word says. That this, he was experienced. He knew hardships. He knew hardships from his own countrymen who did not know Messiah. Because they still had a veil over their eyes once he had prior in his prior life. He also had persecution from non-believing Gentiles. He had many hardships, and so he's sharing and he's bearing them with us at this time. And so out of that experience and also hearing a prophetic word from the Lord, which we'll, we'll see revealed later as we dig in these scriptures here, that the angel of the Lord came and spoke to him while he was on that ship to give him confirmation of what the Lord's will is. See, there's times even in our own lives when we sometimes we don't even know which way to turn. Or we're, we're caused to make a decision, and yet we're not quite sure. What do we do at that time? We're to inquire of the Lord and allow the Spirit of the living God to speak to us. How often have you had in your walk with the Lord times where you're sometimes just doing your daily devotions? Or maybe you're studying through a particular book, and then all of a sudden the answer at times has actually lifted up from the pages that spoke to your heart and you receive confirmation. I've never had the Lord appear to me and speak to me directly that way. I've never had an angel appear to me and those are fine because God orchestrates all these things. Today we live in a society where people are looking for what? The appearance of angels and the appearance of all these things out there. And they base their relationship with God on angels and signs and wonders. But what are we to base our lives on? The leading of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit that was given to each and one of us at the time we became born again in God's proven, sealed word from the holy prophets of old and the apostles that are written in this book from Genesis through Revelation. Those are the things that we are to put our trust in. Have you ever had a word from the Lord from a brother or sister in the Lord? I've had many, many times. One guy, many years ago, I was street witnessing on the streets of Minneapolis and there was a guy that was watching me, and that was fine. He came up to me, and he said, I got a word from the Lord for you. I said, okay. He said, you are to quit your job. And he said, you own a car? I said, yes, I do. He said, you're to support me. I'm going to mentor you into the ministry. And I said, well, thank you. But... God speaks directly to me. 
and a proof in your word from the Lord is this. Why did you have to ask me if I have a car? He simply walked away. See, we're not to fear. We're to take every word that is spoken, a prophetic word, especially in the time and cities we now sit, we see ourselves in, and we're to test it by what? By the word of God. And also by how the spirit of the living God is speaking to us directly. Because he was sent to us to perfect us because we're the bride of Messiah. He has been sent to us to perfect us and to present us to our bridegroom in the future. Why do we live here on earth? That we may proclaim the good news and that we be perfected in righteous and holy living. The manifestation and character of Messiah being developed in us, whether we be male or female, whether we be Jew or from the nations. God desires to, to perfect his work in us. And that's through and by the spirit of the living God. He's been given to each and every one of us so that we would know the truth as what speaks in God's word. And God never, God the Holy Spirit, and some people rarely hear that word ever said. In the Hebrew, God, Elohim, Ruach HaKodesh, in the Hebrew. That portion of God has been gift, given to us. Just as Yeshua was led by what? By the Spirit of the living God, but also he had daily communication with his Heavenly Father. Do you have daily communication with your Heavenly Father? Do you hear his voice? Do you hear Yeshua's voice? And do you hear the voice of the Spirit of the living God? That you're sealed by. Let's continue. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So now going back to verse 11 and 27. However, the officer paid more attention to the pilot and the ship's owner than what Shaul said. Moreover, since the harbor was not well suited out for winter, the majority reached the decision. Did you hear that? Majority rules. Sometimes the majority can lead you astray. But what is the Spirit speaking? Does it line up with God's word? So going forward here. Verse 12. Moreover, since the harbor was not well suited for, to sitting out the winter, the majority reached the decision to sail from there in hope of reaching Phoenix. Did you find Phoenix on your maps? Another harbor in Crete. And wintering there where it is protected from the southwest and northwest winds. Why? Because the winter season was coming right around the corner. Remember, it's past the time of Yom Kippur. Let's continue here. Verse 13. When a gentle southerly breeze began to blow, they thought that they had their goal within grasp. So they raised the anchor and they started by going next the coast of Crete. And they came close to the shore. But before long, 
there struck us from the land a full gale from the northeast and the kind they call Ivrakilion. So now here, as we dig here a little deeper, a full gale. The Greek word here is called, I'll spell it out, A-N-E-M-O-S. Second word, T-U-P-P-H-N-I-K-O-S. Anemos typhoonkus, which the first word means wind, and the latter, the second word, gives us the English word typhoon. Have you ever experienced a typhoon? I've never experienced them. But from those who have experienced them, they say that they're amazing. So going forward here. They tried to hug the south coast of Crete, but the northwest wind blowing them from the shore drove them out to sea, where a large, larger waves were more difficult than to deal with. Back now to verse number 15. The ship was caught up and unable to face the wind. So we gave way to it, where, and we were driven along. Have you ever seen people on the lakes of Minnesota when the winds come up and the person that's on that craft is actually laying almost horizontal and they're catching the winds and they're proceeding? Have that picture in your mind. This is what was happening to this ship that had over 276 people in it. They were being buffeted about. Think of the poor guy that was back there on the rudder and trying to steer that thing. How exhausted he became. Then we'd have to call his mate over to take over. This went on for a long period of time. So continuing here in verse number 16. As we passed the lee of the small island called Kata, have you found that on your map? We managed with strenuous effort to get control of the lifeboat. They then hosted it aboard, and they fastened cables tightly around the ship itself to reinforce it. Now, are these steel cables? No, these are hemp cables made out of rope. But they're so heavy and thick. Have you ever experienced seeing some of the large ropes that are of these uh, cutty sharks and some of these other ships? Have you ever been close to them and see the size of these ropes? Have you ever been to the uh, North Shore up in Duluth and saw some of the anchors that they have on display at their maritime uh, museum? You can kind of get a feel for all this. Then going on to verse 17, they hoisted it aboard and fastened it. There were cables tightly around the ship itself to reinforce it. Why? Because the winds were just causing it to begin to blow apart. And you're out in the open seas. Fearing that they might run aground on the Sirtis sand, sandbars, they lowered the topsails and thus continued drifting. 
Are there times in your life where you're tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves and it seems like your whole life is adrift? This is what Rav Shaul was experiencing right then. And not only him, but all those that were with him. Luke was beside him. Aristarchus was beside him. And they were all experiencing this together. But because we were fighting such heavy weather, the next day they began to jettison the non-essentials, the things that were not important for their literal survival. The third day they threw the ship's sailing equipment overboard with their own hands. And who's doing this? The prisoners? No, this is the sailors. They know for them to, to, to uh, continue. Because picture this, you're in the boat there, and there are barrels. There are large clay pots with wine and grain and other seeds. They're all part of this. And with these winds and waves, those ropes, they break. And what happens? Men are crushed. People are pushed over the sides. And what if one whole section goes and it knocks out one whole section sidewall of that ship? And then the waves start coming over. And the ship possibly then could begin to sink. So going forward here in verse 19. And on the third day, they threw the ship's sailing equipment overboard with their own hands. Verse 20. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared. They're in utter blackness. Going forward here. While the storm continued to rage until gradually all hope of survival vanished. And think of the pilot. He's the most experienced person there and his crew. And Rav Shaul was able to see the fear now welling. Undeniable fear that they could not hide that was going on their eyes and by their actions. Let's continue. It was then that we had gone a long time without eating. What happens when we stop eating? We become weak. And our thought processes are not sound. Continuing here. That Shaul stood up in front of them and said, You should have listened to me and not set out for Crete. If you had, you would have had escaped a dis this disastrous loss. It's like all of a sudden someone from the gallery is calling down to what's very, very obvious, is it not? But he was not shaming them because the Lord was going to use him to proclaim the good news and proclaim the God to whom he knows and trusts even in the midst of the storm, even at any moment that any one of them could perish. Where was his trust? Where was his hope? It was not in the pilot's opinion or the strength of the sailors or their experience, but it was the one who sent him on this journey 
and promised him that he was going to go to Rome and speak before the emperor. Is our God a liar? Absolutely not. What his promises are, yes and amen, and he shall accomplish them. Even though our hearts are filled with fear, and there's nothing we can comprehend with our thoughts or even what we can see. There's nothing we can grasp to. In the midst of that, in the midst of those tribulations on this earth, that's perfecting us into the image and character of Messiah, are we hanging onto the Lord and the Lord alone? Let's continue. But now, my advice to you is to do what? Take heart. What, what did he say? Are you kidding me? He's now giving confidence and trying to press in them faith and trust by these words. Because either this man is walking by faith or he's a complete lunatic. Take it from the perspective of those who do not walk and know Messiah. So there are times when you and I appear to be like lunatics to those in the world. We are beside ourselves with insanity because we believe in this one that has provision that we walk therein. Let's continue here. Praise be to God. But now my advice to you is to take heart because not one of you will lose his life. What did he say? Are you kidding me? Can't you see and know what we've been experiencing now all these days? He's giving and relating to them the promises of God. And there are times when you and I are faced with people in the world who do not know Messiah, and we have to demonstrate our faith. In those circumstances, they bring all the glory and honor to God and not to ourselves. It's who you know, the Lord. Is he your provision? Is he your life? Let's continue. So men, take heart. Excuse me, I skipped over a portion there. There I am, back at 22. I, I went down to verse 25. But now my advice to you now is to take heart because not one of you will lose his life. Only the ship will be lost. Oh my goodness. Here's number three. We're in the midst of the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. We're in the midst of a storm. You're saying that we're going to lose a ship but everyone's going to survive? Are you out of your mind? Are you Meshuggah? You're crazy. He's speaking God's word here. Revealed to him. Think of Luke that's there. Think of Aristarchus who's there. And they're being encouraged. You notice they're not talking. I believe that they're praying. They're believing God. They believe that, yes, Rav Shul, the Apostle Paul, will one day stand before the emperor. 
and proclaim the good news. Let's continue. You should have listened to me. We cannot know whether Shaul now was indulging himself in a well-earned, all-but-human. I told you so. Have you ever had your mom or dad tell you that? Your older brother or sister? I told you so. Or reminding his hearers of their mistake so that they would now be more willing to hear the message of hope. What was he giving to them? A hope in the midst of destruction. What's our message to the world today? Is this your eternal home, this earth? Are you simply passing through? Are you not pursuing a city that's built by the little hands of God? Don't you know that Yeshua, when he left this earth, he went to prepare a place for you and I? Let's continue. Praise be to God. Verse 23. For this very night, there stood next to me an angel of God. Oh my goodness, here's strike number four. This guy is exactly a lunatic. That's what they're thinking. But even though they look at you as if you're completely lost your mind, do you proclaim the good news? Or do you want to be politically correct? Let's continue. For I, this very night there stood next to me an angel of God to whom I belong. Now that's just not an ordinary angel, is it? Do you or I belong to any angels according to what the scriptures say? Absolutely not. But who has shown himself time to time as a theophany, that is Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, appearing before certain individuals as recorded in the Tanakh. Many times of us, we forget that the Brit Hadashah, which is the New Testament, and the Tanakh, the Old Testament, are woven together. And if the Lord of glory decides to appear as an angel to Yeshua, I'm not going to argue with my high priest. And did not this apostle, when, when he wrote this book, I'm speaking of Luke, did he write anything or record anything in error? Absolutely not. So let's continue here. This very night there stood next to me an angel of God to whom I belong, to whom I serve. And he said, don't be afraid, Shaul, Saul, the apostle Paul. You have to stand before the emperor. Look, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. But what about the winds and the waves? What about Kepha Peter? Remember the storm? 
Yeshua sent his Talmudim ahead of time. Storm came up on the Sea of Galilee. Was not uh, Kepha, Peter, an experienced uh, fisherman? Absolutely. And they saw someone come in the distance. And what did Kepha do? He said, Lord, if that be you, bid me to come out. And he stepped out. And, and he stepped out. And he's walking towards. And then all of a sudden, he started looking at the winds and the waves. What happened? He began to sink. Immediately, Yeshua took him and they went into the boat. Don't you think that Rav Shaul ever heard of that story? Let's continue. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 25. So men take heart. For I trust God and I believe that I have been told is what is going to come true. Nevertheless, we have to run aground on some island. But there's no island to be seen. These sailors know the seas probably like the back of their hands. They know every port. They know every place of safety. But they've been, what, blown adrift. They don't have their coordinates. They don't know where they are. Remember the stars? How does a sailor, how does a captain navigate the ship but by the stars? Let's continue here. Going deeper. Even in a storm at the sea, as cargo is being thrown overboard, Shaul loses no occasion to communicate the good news or at least arouse the curiosity of his shipmates. Back now to verse number 26. It was the 14th night and we were still being driven about in the Adriatic Sea. When around midnight, the sailors sensed that they were nearing land. See, they're starting to get their bearings. Why? Because they had something to eat. So they dropped the plumb line and found water 120 feet deep. A little further, they took another sounding and found it at 90 feet. Fearing we might run on rocks, they left, they let go of the four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. All of a sudden, there's a prayer meeting going on. Everyone's praying. Let's continue here. At this point, the crew made an attempt to abandon ship. They lowered the lifeboat into the sea, pretending that it was about to let, they were about to let out some anchors from the bow. Then Shaul said to the officer and the soldiers, unless these men remain aboard on the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. See, as a group, they were to put their trust in the prophecy and the revelation of the Lord. Because the Lord promised it all of them. And so the Lord gave Rav Shaul discernment to call out the sailors. And who was an authority there? But Julius, the commander. Let's continue here. Then the soldiers cut the ropes holding the lifeboat to let it go. Just before daybreak, 
Shaul urged them to eat, saying, Today is the 14th day we have been in suspense and going hungry, eating nothing. Therefore, I advise you to take some food. You need it for your own survival, for not one of you will lose much as a hair from his own head. Isn't that beautiful? Let's continue. When he had said this, he took bread and he made the bracha. That's the blessing. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech halam, hamatzi lekamin haretz. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who's brought forth what bread from the earth. We as Jews have been saying that prayer every time we take food and bread is involved. This same prayer is the one that Yeshua gave. And it's found in the book of Matthew chapter 14. So if you'd like to turn with me now to Matthew chapter 14 and at verse 19. After instructing the crowds to sit down on the grass, he and who's he here? Here, Yeshua Jesus. He took five loaves and two fish and looking up towards heaven, he made the bracha, the blessing. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech halam, omotze lekemin hamaretz. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his Talmudim, who gave them to the crowds. Did you notice he didn't break up the fish? But he broke the bread. What did he do on Passover? To introduce communion. He broke, gave the blessing and he broke the blood and bread and gave it to his Talmudim. Let's continue here. Back to verse 35. When he had said this, he took the bread and he said the bracha in front of everyone and broke it and he began to eat. With courage restored, they all ate from the same some foods themselves. And all together, there were how many people there? 276 of us on board this ship. And after they had eaten all they wanted, they lightened the ship by dumping the grain into the sea. And when the day broke, they didn't recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a sand beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. So they cut away the anchors and left them to the sea. And at the same time, they loosened the ropes that held the rudders out of the water. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach. But then they encountered a place where two currents meet. And they ran the vessel aground on the sandbar. The bow struck and it would not move. When the pounding of the surf began to break up the stern. I forgot this portion I need to add. Uh, back to verse 31. But hadn't God already promised that no one would lose his life? Think of it this way. 
the prophecy included God's foresight concerning the decisions of nevertheless man-made free will. See, that all always happens, does it not? God orchestrates his will, fulfills prophecy in spite of people going their own direction. But his word is yes and amen. You know what's amazing? Have you ever considered this? Hasatan, Lucifer, the fallen one, the devil, cannot do anything with God the Father's approval. And so if you're worried about man or woman's free will, God knows the thoughts and the intent of our heart even before we do it. He has the foreknowledge to know when we're going to be born, who we're going to be born to, how many days, and whether or not we will receive the gift of eternal life. Do you have family members that you've been praying and interceding for for years and they have not received their issue or their salvation? And we pray, we demonstrate, we pray for others to come, but ultimately... That decision is that own person's free will. But by God's grace and mercy, the fullness of the good news is presented to them. That's the loving act of a loving Heavenly Father. And that's why we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, all those whose names are inscribed in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, belong to the Lord and they're sealed by his Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God, until he has their lives either end on this earth or they're taken up in the harpots of the rapture. This is all orchestrated by the Lord. What we're experiencing in America and throughout the world, these storms, this craziness, despots and lunatics leading our nations, including America. Don't fear. Who sits on the throne of your life? Has he not said that these things would come about? Does a person become a president or a king or a governor or a mayor without God's will being ultimately fulfilled? We have nothing to fear. So going forward here, Verse 42, at this point, the soldiers sought was to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim off and escape. But the officer wanting to save Shaul kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to throw themselves overboard first and then head to shore. And the rest of us to, to use planks or whatever we could find from the ship. And thus... That it was that everyone reached the land safely. God's prophetic word. The testimony of the hope that Rav Shaul had placed in the angel of the Lord was all fulfilled. Do you trust God's word today as it is written? Is your life 
demonstrating, living that out daily? Because my brothers and sisters, there are many storms that we're going to be facing in the near future. Don't fear the storms, but fear the Lord and walk there in his provision. Hear his voice, know his word, and walk in joy because you too shall overcome the storms in your life. God has declared that you are victorious in him. Messiah is doing it all. Blessed be his holy name. Shabbat shalom.